What's up, I'm Beyonce. Yeah, this is Big Snoop D-O-double-G. Hi, this is Kelly Clarkson. Stick around for more conversations with Allison J. The Journey to Here, brought to you by Ethel May Books. This is Conversations with Allison J. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Allison J. The Journey to Here. Today, as always, we have another captivating and thought provoking topic and guest. Here's your host, Allison J. to another episode of Conversations with Alison J, The Journey to Here. Today I have with me Corey Brown. Corey is the CEO of Wifepreneur, a company that is in the business of being a wife, and also she's the co-owner of a company called Rebound Health and Wellness with her husband. Corey's going to talk to us today about her life, her journey in ministry as an entrepreneur, a business owner, a wife, and a mother. So today, let's welcome Corey Brown in Conversations with Alison J, The Journey to Here. Welcome, Corey. Alrighty, so Corey, thank you so, so very much for joining me here on Conversations with Alison J, The Journey to Here. Um, I want you, please, if you don't mind, to talk to us about just everything you do and your journey to um, being, in, being a businesswoman, a wife, uh, a mother, a minister, just an all-around woman. So, Corey, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thank you so much, Alison J. It is absolutely my honor, my privilege um, to have been afforded this opportunity. Thank you for the invite. I'm humbled and honored. And I don't say that as um, just a term, but I really say that out of authenticity and the genuine nature. And I'm grateful that at any time God allows me to speak and to testify of what he's done through my life, in my life, and what's coming for my life, I'm so honored. So as you indicated, um, uh, God has allowed me to facilitate in all of those roles, positions, and postures, and more. Um, and it has, uh, <laughs> it is totally a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, step-by-step opportunity to understand where and how I'm to be postured at any moment in time, any place in time, to be able to give of myself unselfishly, and most importantly, make an impact. Um, I believe when we talk about um, imprint and impact, that that is our assignment, that is our role. So whether I'm doing it as a wife, as a parent, as a businesswoman, as an intercessor, as a minister, as a person in the marketplace, as an entrepreneur, that we're to make impact and imprint. And I know it always doesn't feel that way. Um, It doesn't always look that way. But that is totally our calling and our assignment. So I'm thankful that he has trusted me with each of these different um, positions and postures to be able to facilitate. And um, he continued to give me capacity because even where I don't feel there's capacity, there's continually um, more that sometimes I'm, I'm asked to do or that in my brain, my husband tells me my brain never shuts off. And I think that's an accurate statement because I'm consistently thinking and consistently um, having momentum thoughts. And 
Um, so I, I think it's a part of just my DNA and, and what I've been called to for the earth, my assignment. Ooh, okay, that's, that's, you know, that's, that is amazing because there's so many times that, like you're saying, that your assignment, and I was, like I was sharing with you, when there's many times that we don't know what that is. And we just feel like we're going through life and life is happening to us rather than we're living through life. You know, mm-hmm. so, so um, what got you started on the journey of firstly um, being a businesswoman? What got you started in business? There was, um, I saw a need and I met the need with my passion. Um, and so particularly, um, we have a couple businesses. We have a health and wellness business, and then I have my Wifepreneur Inc. And the Wifepreneur Inc. came out of my passion of being a wife. I absolutely love being married to my husband. And I always are very specific about that because we sometimes people want to fall in um, love with the idea of marriage, but it's not about so much the ideal of marriage versus being to whom you're married to, to whom you were giving to. And so I, I, I saw the need for my, so my passion was being a wife. Um, and then my passion was empowering people as well around that, um, assignment. I don't know what this man is, but I'm empowering me around this particular assignment and wanting to see a firm foundation for families and to wanting to shift the, the thought process of society where marriage and covenant became optional. Um, and so I really wanted to, to put myself in a space where I took the strength, the courage of what I have journeyed through and continue to journey through as a wife to support others and to bring community together, to let wives know that we are in this together and it is still honorable to be a wife. It's still honorable to be in marriage. And that um, I wanted our generations to see that marriage and covenant was still cool. (laughs) Um, And that especially in a society where we talk about friends with benefits, and we talk about alternative relationships and open relationships. And those things are so contrary to the foundation of marriage. And so I wanted to be in a space where I can influence that. And then with the health and wellness, we also have a health and wellness business. Again, meeting me with passion. Um, our passion is we enjoy living um, a lifestyle of activity and um, being um, healthy and and. Uh, having focus on our our bodies and uh, and promoting good um, well being, but it's also a, ment- a mental state. Like somebody like me could still do X. So as you know, I'm a marathoner, um, but my body does not look like a typical marathoner, whatever that looks like, right? I don't know what a typical marathoner is because only one percent of the world completes it. So you tell me what's typical. Um, but I I wanted to put a voice to again people that looked like me, that felt um, maybe at some point intimidated by the health and wellness community and find their voice and their space and being active and knowing that everyone is a play, put in a place of advocacy for somebody. There's 7 billion plus people and growing in this world. So you were put in a place of advocacy and assignment for somebody or bodies. And so those is how our entrepreneurial spirit sparked was need plus passion. Okay, you've touched on so many things that I just want to dig a bit deeper into. So I love what you said when you mentioned about how society now views relationships. 
because if you read all the different things out there, it's and if you were to go by everything you see and read, you would think that nobody was getting married anymore. Absolutely, or no one was happily married. And there's, there's that part as well, because they tend to give you all these statistics of um, one out of every X amount ends in divorce, and then second marriage is one out of X, and, and they break it down to third, fourth marriage is one out of however many gets um, divorced, but they don't, but you very rarely see, and it's so bizarre that in one, um, at one point in time, you're, you're sold the dream, which is the husband, the wife, the 2.4 children, the house with the white picket fence, right? Correct. Once upon a time, we were sold that. Then the next thing you'd be, you're told about, um, what is it? What's that? Was it free love? And, and everybody just, you know, just live and let live and just do whatever makes you happy. But in, in doing all of that, we are seeing, now we're seeing the breakdown of the family. Right. So now, so, so is society any better off now after all of this experimental love? and the breakdown of the family than they were. And it just makes me wonder, what was it that happened that took away from the husband, the wife, the 2.4 kids as being the ideal? I think because it became optional. Loyalty, faithfulness became optional. Um, and that's just not, and, and we can see how that looks across the generations, not just in marriages, but jobs, friendships, um, commitments, like, you think about the average tenure of people in jobs. Think about the average tenure of someone staying in a home. Or, and, and it has, all of it has shifted. And so unfortunately, it has also matriculated into a very core foundation, and that's our families. So when you say that I, I, I can be loyal when I desire, I can be faithful when it's good for me, I can be um, uh, in a relationship when it's convenient for me because I'm, uh, you still have that selfish nature. And when it comes to marriage, there, it, you, you self dies. If you, the two stand at the altar, you are two individuals until you stand at the altar and, to, and you enter covenant, not contract. But because our society has gone so to a contractual type of transactional um, mindset, mm. it has also matriculated that into the um, family and the marriage. So the attractiveness of marriage is for what I can I can live with my um, other person. We can have we can see other people. Why do we need? It's just a piece of paper. You've heard people literally minimize marriage and covenant to things like that. Oh, it's going to make it worse when we get married. But let me tell you something, Allison. There's still I don't care what society says. There's still a grace that comes when you and your spouse enter into covenant that you will not have outside of it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, no one can convince me otherwise. I don't care if you've been together 30 years, 40 years. Until you enter into covenant, there's a certain grace that you are not operating in. And, and elaborate on that for me, because you know, because there's going to be people that um, do not come from that that spiritual home that where they understand where you say that there's a grace. So if you can break that down, absolutely. God, uh, marriage is honorable in God's sight, and I believe, as the Word declares, that what He talks about, what a husband's role and a wife role, and when they come together 
what they're able to accomplish, what they're able to achieve together because they have made a conscious decision to enter into a covenant relationship where both become, where the two become one. And so then God is able to allow his favor that he's allowed to his mercy, that even in trying and challenging times, which happens in marriages, okay, but he's able to allow his, 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 um, his spirit to intervene, if you should allow, intervene in it to be able to allow you to work through the hard things, right? To work through the difficult things, to work through what we look at from a human perspective as the impossible things. Mm -hmm. But to me, that only comes when you have done it God's way. And because marriage is honorable to God, it still is honorable, it was honorable from the beginning, it will be honorable to the end, you cannot fall within that particular um, sphere of it without entering covenant. Okay, thank you, thank you. And, and, it's, and it's funny because um, what was it? Just very recently we were having a conversation, it was Friday, we, because I'm part of a panel on Fridays and we call it Fridays on the Couch. And so people um, send in their um, concerns and topics and we discuss it and we have a psychologist on the line then you've got myself as the coach life coach stress management therapist and then there's a minister on the line so you've got three different um aspects of three different mm -hmm. people with the different inputs to bring to it and one of the things that was being mentioned on there and it was um when you're talking about like being honorable and the commitments and how society now how far away from that we have gone and it and it just seems to be such a recurring theme a recurring topic because people deep down want that but because of either things that they've gone through traumatic experiences then it it, it now people have built up these walls and these barriers Mm -hmm. yes say, like you said oh it's only a piece of paper it's right. and, but if you hadn't gone from a certain experience would you still be saying that because you know and and, and when you look at it it's like people we because if we didn't want that everybody would be single right 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 and and it's just and it's so interesting that you should you should touch on that you should mention that so so thank you for breaking that down and thank you for you know for just keeping it real with us Absolutely. so and, and there's something else that you mentioned about um when it talks about your health and wellness side of things it was yesterday i was reading um i don't go on linkedin very often at all mm -hmm. and something flashed up on there and i clicked on it and it was this young lady and my heart truly went out to her. She said that for the first time in years, she had put up a picture on her LinkedIn because her, a former boss of hers had told her that she was too heavy. Wow. Yes. Wow. And, yeah. And she then started to write about the effect it had had on her because that, that was body shaming and then mm -hmm. how it made her feel about herself. So what she would then do is she wouldn't take pictures and she wouldn't put pictures of herself on her social media platforms or anything like that because of what mm -hmm. this boss had said. So 
fast forward years later, she decided to, and this is a woman that's um, educated, and, you know, very intelligent, very, very capable. And to be honest, I saw her picture and I just thought, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And again, another thing to, to your point about what society puts on people, because for, you've got, I, I remember I saw this woman and she, you could see she was, she was, a, she was a little bit on the heavy side. This woman did the full splits. Mm -hmm. I'm an athlete, I can't do the splits. Right. <laughs> I can't do the splits, you know. So, so when you look at it, you're saying about people might look at a person's body and limit them. And then yes. society has limited that person. That person then limits themselves. Right, right. Because you internalize others' expectations. Mm -hmm. And I, I just believe, Allison, that um, we have to stand, make a stand in every area of our lives that we will not be a casualty in someone else's self-war. That boss had a self-war of his own stereotypical thoughts going on. But he allowed his words, his demeanor, and his action to cause her to be a casualty, which then make, made her an eternal victim and a, a hostage held victim into herself, where it was his expectation, not hers at all. So when we have, and, and particularly in the health and wellness environment, when we allow others to others' expectations to dictate what is and is not acceptable for us, then we, we go down a road that is very unhealthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically that then limits us from being able to do the things that we need and want to do to take care of ourselves. Well-being, I'm just not talking about exercising. I'm just not talking about eating healthy. Those are two very critical things that you talked about like on Fridays on the couch, the um, panel that you're on. We're talking about mental wellness because it starts in the mind. It starts with how I feel about myself. And if I feel that I'm worthy enough to be able to take care of my body, if I feel like I'm worthy enough to be able to put better things into my body to be able to produce better results for longevity, for memory, for energy, to be able to do all the things that I'm called to do, then we break our own shell of well, we break the societal shell of what others say we can and cannot do because there's an expectation. But I, long, I, long, I learned a long time ago that it's not fair to put my expectations on someone else because those are my expectations, right? And so what's fair is for me to communicate and have conversation and we come to an alignment of what we think our expectations if we're in relationship are to one another. But if we're not in a relationship, then how dare you body shame? How dare you um, say what I can and cannot do because you didn't form me. I'm not made in your image. Um, and so therefore, um, you're not the one who gave me breath today. I inhale and exhale whether you do or you don't. Um, and that has nothing to do with you. Mm. And, and it's funny that you should say that. And I like what you said, his self-war. And because I put a comment under it, and I think my comment was something like, wow, just wow. Um, yeah. And I think I mentioned something along the lines of, I'm grateful that she started to see herself as yeah. a beautiful, intelligent, confident, capable woman that she is, and not as a result of somebody who sees me through probably their own negative self-image. Exactly. And that's exactly. something that, um, to your point, 
I think we really need to be mindful of when people say things to us. Are they saying things to us from a place of their own negative self-image? Are they projecting it onto us? Because if it's projected onto us, they don't have to think about it or deal with it. Right. And right. then the comments that I saw under that from men and women, and I was astounded to see how many men responded that they too had been body shamed. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And that, you know, there was one of them that this guy said to me that he's all, not, well, not to me, sorry, the comment he made was he's always struggled with his weight. Mm-hmm. And his boss, his former boss, lost a lot of weight as a result of having a heart attack because he was quite heavy. Hmm. So when he'd lost all that weight, he had brought in all of these shirts, his old shirts, to this guy and told him to have them because he doesn't need them anymore. So the guy's like, um, thank you, but they won't fit me because apparently this former boss was even bigger than he was. Ah, okay. And he mm-hmm. says, but they won't fit me. And the, he, the boss said something like, oh, well, don't worry, they soon will because you're the office fatty now. Oh, wow. wow yeah yeah like our words shape not only our world but has the potential to shape others world Mm -hmm. and we we drop nuggets or bombs either way and we walk away and we move on and not and then where the people others are left with the responsibility of carrying your irresponsibility Mm. and so in this case that gentleman was left with wow perception like not only am i have maybe my own self-perception and insecurities but you've just now exposed me to what others are thinking about me and hence while health and wellness is so important because how many have we seen go into depression suicidal states whatever that may be because of not only not so much their insecurities but the insecurities of others that have been projected upon them. And now they live in, yes, they yes. reside in. That was never their home to, in the first place. Mm-hmm. But the words of others built this frame, built this, um, this, this frame around us that now has felt like um, a space of, of, of capturing, and that's what we're living in. And that is so true because I can speak from my own experience. That actually happened to me because I have always, always been very, very slim, always. And you name the skinny joke, I've heard it. You, you've, I mean, I've had some things said to me in the workplace and out of the workplace. I'm thinking, what made you think that was okay to say yeah. And, right. and I remember um, I was at work once. I was working for a very well-known car rental company. And one of my colleagues said, she just out of the blue, everybody's working away. And just out of the blue, she lifts her head up and she looks at me, looks me up and down and says, you look like you could do with a good feeling. Wow. And I was just like, um, okay, thank you. But I eat the, um, thanks. And, and, it, and I remember another time I remember I was, I was going to a christening and I just walked into the church and the first thing like, oh my God, you're losing more weight. 
You know what I did? I said, good morning. Wow. They hadn't even addressed me, said good morning. The first thing is, oh my God, you're losing more weight. Yeah. And then I said, good morning. And then I says, well, I've never been any bigger than this. So how am I losing more weight? Right. And then so that her response was, well, wear shoes with a lower heel because we wear, when you wear such high heels, it makes you look even thinner. So Again, <laughs> like, wait a second. And that's, you know, Allison, that's a, a really good example of how we have to set boundaries and parameters of what we allow people to not only say, but what we allow uh, words to get in. Um, because, yes, it's simple to say, okay, because it's so awkward and it's so, it's so surreal that you would say this to another human being, like you're so comfortable or you're so arrogant. One of the two, I don't know, um, that you would say this to another human being, but those are our ideal times where we have to allow, set the boundaries and say, you know what? Say, I, I, I hear you, but I appreciate my high heels. I appreciate what I look like. And let's go on and get ready for the Christian. Thank you. Yeah, and, and but you see, the thing is, those times I didn't really know Jesus, so the answer wouldn't have been that nice. Um, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. And and because I was in church, I, okay, this will have yeah. to wait, but the Lord knows right. why he made you say that in church and not outside. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but I had that for so many years, so many years, that to the point where I actually developed what I would now look at and think, actually, it was an eating disorder. Because mm. what I started to do was overeat. Wow. Because I was trying to gain weight. So then people will stop yes. um, the skinny jokes. They will stop the comments when I walk into a room. They will stop all the kinds of... They, I just wanted everybody to just stop. Yes, yes. So, so I started to overeat. And, and I, I'm talking, I, the crap that I started to eat because mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I was a person like like one of these healthy eaters on a healthy binge or nothing like that but right. I did make sure I didn't really eat fast food so much and mm -hmm. I, I wasn't a person that drank milkshakes and um sweets drinks or anything like that but guess right. what I started doing I started to drink milkshakes hate them I absolutely detest them <laughs> because I'm not you see I'm not a dairy person so I don't really right you know, so, and I, but I was forcing myself to drink these things because I'm thinking these things are high in calories, right? These things right. are high in fat. So I'm forcing myself to drink these. And there was a drink. I don't know if they had it over here. Um, and I would drink a, this drink and it had so much sugar in it. And it was a liter and a half. And I would drink one of that every day. And I would have a milkshake every day. And I would eat junk food every day because I was trying so desperately to gain weight. Mm. Yeah, so that people would just stop mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the, the comments and the skinny jokes. Mm -hmm. And I say mm -hmm. jokes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they weren't funny. No, but, no. You know, so, so to your point about the health and wellness and um, what people's perceptions and people you may your body is not necessarily going to be what others expect it to be able to do right right because right. now people say because i'm saying oh i need to go to the gym and they're like oh you don't need to go to the gym you're fine i said just because i'm slim doesn't mean i'm healthy 
Right. I'm yes. not saying I'm unhealthy, don't get me wrong. But, I'm, but, but people have this misconception in their head that it means if you're heavy, you need to eat well and go to the gym and work. Mm -hmm. If you're slim, it's just something where you don't need to. And that's not true. So speak to us about that. Not at all. Everyone has to take ownership of their own health and wellness, right? So we're talking not only um, the physical activity, but preventative care, doctor's appointments, um, the things women and, and men should be doing on a, on a uh, monthly, excuse me, on an annual basis, because mm. health and wellness is not a look. <laughs> it, health and wellness is not, again. Yeah. Health and wellness is not a look. If that was the case, then psychologists could be able to identify serial killers. If that was the case, like profiles would be able to know um, when someone was going to uh, be a, a serial rapist or murder. Health and wellness, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, is not a look. It is a personal journey. It's something that you take ownership for yourself and say, "This is I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my legacy. I'm doing this because it is something that I need to do to make sure that I can fulfill every assignment that God has called me on this earth to do. I do not want to leave this earth because I have made bad choices you know, to my best of my ability around health and wellness that could have prolonged my life to be able to do and make the impact that I need. So it is truly a personal journey. And again, it's not always about exercise. Um, that is a part of it. The eating, that's a part of it. But what you allow to happen in between the two ears um, and what you allow to be exposed to your eye gates and your ear gates, those are all health and wellness components, especially during a time like we're in right now with we have um, a human and a health crisis we have a human crisis and a health crisis going on at this we're booked in between the two mm -hmm. it is so important that we are taking care of ourselves mentally and emotionally um that will then allow it to be manifested into what we do physically what we eat what we look at who we speak to what conversations we engage in how much news we consume how many times i go out to get fresh air it all works synergistically together mm. it's not a look it's a lifestyle i like that and that is a thing that i think we really need to pay more attention to the fact that it's not a look Health and wellness is not a look, it's a lifestyle. And we just, in so many different ways. And and that you're saying that health and wellness can come from making sure that, because one of the things that I'm speaking to is, um, and another aspect of health and wellness is um, the people you have around you. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Who you allow to occupy your space. Mm. Everyone does not have the opportunity to sit in your space. And that's okay. But when we deal with our own insecurities of that, then we can say it's okay. It's okay mm. when someone walks away. It's okay when I disinvite. It's okay when they don't show up. And it's okay when I ask them to leave. So it's all of that's okay. Because when we realize that you do not earn the space, this place in my space, and I'm okay with that, then I can begin to properly segment and separate what should I be doing and who I should be doing it with. Mm -hmm. When we call this thing life, 
life um, is who not only yourself, but who you're doing life with. And we need to take that seriously. We need to really identify who we should be doing life with because it can either promote or it can demote the assignment that you're supposed to be doing. That's interesting to say that because that's another thing that I'm going to go to um, when it talks about, I'm going to, because I'm not going to touch too much on it now, but talking about who you associate yourself with can either elevate you or destroy you. Mm -hmm. And so part of living that healthy lifestyle is not just about um, eating well, it's not just about exercise, but you need to take care of every as a holistic mm -hmm. approach to healthy living yes so, yes wow, wow cool. yes. thank you but i'm going to go back to your how to pronounce it for me wife preneur wife preneur inc yes wife preneur inc because i'm very interested in because i, I and it could just be me but i don't see many things or many platforms where married women can come together and share and talk because everybody thinks that the singles need it and the singles need extra TLC and the singles needs extra care. Like, oh, and it's, it always makes it feel like, make people think like there's something wrong in being single. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. always extra attention that's thrown on, you know, the singles. Mm -hmm. But then as um, a woman that has been married and I, and absolutely do want to get married again, so I hope you're listening. But <laughs> <laughs> absolutely do want to get married again. I've just put that one back out there. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> put it out there. So, but you see, the thing is, I, I'm, it's like, I didn't want to talk to my single friends about, because I remember one time, and, the, and the, being married didn't teach me that. I remember years ago when I was in a relationship, and um, I was going through some health challenges. So one of the things that I'm being very transparent here, one of the things was um, I they, they tested me for, I came back with a false positive for an STD. Now I didn't know it was a false positive. And I'm just like, oh. Right. So I remember I was speaking to my girlfriend of mine who was not in a relationship, single mm -hmm. and all the rest of it. And she's like, just she 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 called his name. She goes, "Well, I think he gave it to you, if I'm honest." Right. So I had to go back. So the doctors called me back and says, "Actually, there's something wrong with all your testing." They tested me again. It's like, oh, it was negative. Mm -hmm. I think that was a false positive you got. I'm like, okay, because I was going back to go home and have some serious conversations. Right. And then, so they said, just be on the safe side, we're going to test you again. So we did mm -hmm. three tests and I didn't receive any medications or anything. So you couldn't say, oh, it's because I took antibiotics or anything. Right. And they go, so two tests came back negative. They say, okay, because of all the other health challenges that you have going on, we think that it spiked some things and it gave us a false reading. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say, but look at what my friend said. She was quick to, well, I think he gave it to you if I'm honest. Now, why would you say that about the flu? Yes. Why would right. you? Yes. 
And then you hear so many things about um, as a married woman or as a married man, speak to other married people if you're having mm -hmm. problems or issues and things like that. So the fact that you've created this platform and obviously looking at the name, you've mixed it with wife and entrepreneur. Yes. So this, our, our full name is Wifepreneur Inc. with the tagline, the business of being a wife. Right. Okay. So, so, and so talk to us more about that business and what the aims and what that business is about. So the mission of Wifepreneur Inc. is to support wives, build community, and foster healthy relationships. Um, and the, 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 it, it was birthed out of a place where, to your point, um, as with anything, there's no book on how to be a parent. There's no book on how to be single. <laughs> I mean, there's many books, but I mean, again, it's all a personal journey and there's definitely no books on how to be a wife. And our, our position as Wifepreneur Inc. is to provide that community, that safe, trusted community amongst a commonality that if nothing else, I don't know all about your marriage, you don't know about mine, but we have one commonality, we have one common denominator and, that's where, and that is that we're a wife. And so because we're in this uh, role together, how do we support each other? And I'm very, very um, uh, focused on when we do come together and we give counsel and we give wisdom. I, my disclaimer is that the wives are to use it according to their household, right? Please do not attempt to duplicate or replicate what you think is or is not happening in someone else's household and think that's what's going to happen in your household. Back to expectations. You may get an idea. You may get a thought. Again, I, I, we surround ourselves with wisdom and wise counsel, but it is your responsibility as the wife to take discernment, to pray, to use your wisdom for your household and say, how would that be applicable to my household? Or how do I um, uh, tweak it for my household for the betterment of who we are, team whoever. Like my husband and I, we're team Brown, right? So if it's team Smith, if it's team Jones, whomever that is, it has to work for team Jones, team Smith, team Smith, or team Brown. So I'm very, very particular about that because it's, lay, it's, 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 it's uh, considered laziness if you think you're going to just simply take what I do and duplicate it in your marriage. One, you're setting yourself up for a disaster, but that's just being a lazy wife. And that is not what we're called to. We're not called to. Being a wife is not a call into mediocrity. Being a wife is not a call to laziness or lackadaisicalness. Being a wife means I have to consistently discern use wisdom. I have to operate in, in um, a godly wisdom and counsel to understand what is the shifts, the seasons, and the circumstances in my marriage, day in and day out. And every day I have to wake up and say, I do. Because if the enemy had his way, there will be many days that you wake up and say, I don't. <laughs> but you have to wake up and tell yourself, I do. I re recite those vows consistently in your mind, in your spirit, because there's going to be some days that you want to say, I don't, I won't, and I quit. But when you talk about covenant, divorce is not an option. Okay. You set some standards about your marriage and say, this is, um, and I know there's circumstances, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying that the premises, the, the baseline is that this is, we're going to make this work. We're committed to this. And so today I do every day I do. 
I do. Yeah, and that is so important what you're saying when you there's days when you're gonna get up and say, I don't, I can't, I won't. And just some days you're like, oh my God, what is this? You know, and, 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 and I want to talk to you about that part because mm-hmm. um, there's so many times, and one thing that um, I've learned along the way is, so, and, and because if I go back, so you're really showing your son and your daughter how to be in marriage. Yes. And the reason that I say that is because Again, I've been in a relationship, well, in my first marriage, where it was a case of he never saw his parents argue. So he grew up thinking that they never argued. So so in his mind, because we argued, it meant we didn't love each other. Right. And so because of that, that was one of the reasons, one of the reasons that he started to shift and pull away. And I'm saying to him, having an argument within a marriage and and it's not like it was one of those where we were fighting and cussing or anything like that at each other we were just disagreeing so when i say argument it wasn't that whole shouting raise voices and it out of anger we were just disagreeing and having that what i'm going to use um arguing for want of a better expression Mm -hmm. but it's that because that is the the, the the forum that you then come together to whatever you're disagreeing about and then to discuss it and you may end up agreeing to disagree or mm-hmm. you, you may end up with both thinking what coming around to his way of thinking or her way of thinking but because he never saw that in his mind is if you argue it means you don't love each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. speak to us about that it's so critical that when you get married or before marriage that you sit down and you have those conversations of expectations um, so that, and, and there's things that's going to come up. Absolutely. But at pre-marriage, it is so important to talk about your, the expectations of from how we communicate to who takes out the garbage, who manages the finances, how many children do you want? Do you like to vacation? Do you prefer to vacation in the Caribbean? Or do you, holidays? Like these are things that if they're not addressed, become um, uh, what I call um, niches or um, they become um, divots in a relationship that will eventually um, uh, become holes and and become Mm -hmm. things that bury into the relationship. And so, to your point with, you talked about your um, spouse, having those conversations of when we disagree, how are we going to disagree? And what's going to be our common ground about if we decide that we don't agree, but are we going to, can we agree? Can we, can we agree that we're going to do what's best for the household? Mm -hmm. Can we agree Mm -hmm. that we're going to do what's best for the marriage, even if we come from it in different perspectives? right? So, because sometimes the disagreement is just, I have different perspectives because I have different expectations. I grew up in a home where we never had this, or I never heard them have disagreements, but you grew up in a home that didn't have two parents. So what does that look like for you? What does that feel like for you? So having those conversations pre-marriage and then consistently throughout marriage is so important. I'll never forget, I think I said this on a a recent um, conference I was on, one of the things I learned early in my marriage with my husband was his expectation of um, when I came home from work, 
And I remember one day coming home from work and it would have been a, just a hard day, a very hard day, a lot of things going on. And you know, those days where you just want to get home and you just want to unplug and unwind. And I came in, but I came in carrying that into my household. Mm-hmm. And I, he said something, he asked me a question. So I was obviously already irritated. And um, I already did, my tolerance level was little to none at that time. And he said, he asked me a question and I remember responding like, what? And he looked at me, he was like, is that how you speak to the people at work all day? I was like, oh. So basically he was saying, you speak better to them than you do to, or you, you're speaking better to, you spoke better to them today than you're speaking to me right now. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? No. Mm-hmm. Does, is it fair for my husband to get my leftovers? No. Is it fair for my husband to become the scapegoat of my societal frustrations and my marketplace woes? No. So I learned that that was an expectation of his, like I'm gone eight hours a day, nine hours a day, 10 hours a day, whatever our particular work day may be. And I still needed the strength, the grace and the courage to come home and be able to still operate in the role of his wife and be sensitive enough to his need and him be sensitive enough to my need. Yeah. And that going to ask you that as well because it's a case of being sensitive to each other's needs because I don't want anybody looking at this thinking and because and because you know what the thing is a lot of the times we have the, a, a problem with the word submission because the Bible mm. says wives submit to your husbands so yes. I don't want anybody looking at this and thinking that this is just a conversation about being submissive and submitting to your husband. It's very important that he was also sensitive to your needs. And I remember um, like in my own marriage, my first marriage, but um, very early on, I would have the same thing. And I'd come home literally fire breathe it coming out of my nose, steam coming out of my ears and off the top of my head. And one thing I remember he said to me, he goes, okay, when you come home, I'm going to give you 15 minutes and you can get it all off your chest. But then, you see, once that 15 minutes is done, we're not talking about it. Right. And he gave me that. So, you know, I was doing the speed talking, 100 words a minute, trying to get as much into that 15 minutes as possible. <laughs> like, I have a sliver of time. <laughs> Literally, I'm trying to get nine hours into 15 minutes. Right, right. So, I need you to, and I need you to keep up. Keep yeah. up with the names, keep up with what I'm talking to. You yeah. don't have time to go back. Yes, because <laughs> I need you to buckle in now. Right. <laughs> buckle in because. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, and, and I was very grateful for that. So he was sensitive to my needs in the sense of he knew that I needed to get it out. Otherwise, yeah. our evening was kind of going to be tainted because I'll still have it in my mind every yeah. day. So anybody listening, this is not just about, this isn't a thing about being submissive and we have to swallow our feelings and not express or anything like that. No, your husband needs to be sensitive to also what you are going through as well. And then I've been on the flip side of that when things started to go a bit 
south in in uh, my first marriage that because my ex-husband he um, is a personal trainer so and i wanted him to train me and i remember he'd get quite exasperated with me and i'm thinking hold on a second when you're at work and you're with your clients i'm sure you have more patience and tolerance with them show me <laughs> the same mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I've experienced it from, I've experienced both sides, but him being sensitive to my needs and then him not showing me the level of compassion and kindness that he shows mm -hmm. his client. Yeah. So, and, and, and being, uh, having experienced both ends, it's, 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 it is eye-opening. Yeah. And it taught me something in how I need to be. It's like, am I the same? And so I realized, actually, yes, I had been, hence him giving me that 15 minutes yeah. every day when I first came home. So, the submission goes both ways. I mean, I, I know people feel like submission is that, that word that we say, but no, no, no. Submission, we are to submit, and we're to submit to one another. Um, and as wives, we are to submit to our husbands. That is, um, again, part of the grace. It's not you do your, it's, it's if you focus on doing what God tells you to do, and I focus on God doing the way God tells me to do, I, I promise as we come together in covenant, it works, right? Not that it is, because marriage is work, but the work of the marriage works. And the work of the marriage works when we decide to take ownership and responsibility of our roles. When I talk about Wifepreneur Inc. and the conferences and the workshops that I have, that's professional development for wives. It makes no sense for us to have professional development for our jobs, for our um, schools, for everything else that we want to do and achieve and become proficient in and not and not try to go to a place of mastery and, and proficiency in the things that matter most. And that's our family and that's our lifestyles and that's our spouses. And that's a, a part of Wifepreneur Inc. is allowing ourselves to grow to a place of proficiency for the one I'm married to, the one that I've been called to and that's been called to me. He deserves it and so do I. Yeah. And yeah. I think they well, there needs to be, I'm saying that, but I don't know. It would be great if there was something like that for men, for husbands and fathers, because I, I've become to realize of late being a coach and my coaching expanding to men actually reaching out, wanting help. And because right. a, a lot of men, they don't know how to be a husband. They don't know how to be a father because... Um, I was saying this to somebody the other day. Now, I don't know my father. And I have seen other situations where the father has been in the home, but has been so absent. Yes. And I remember I saying to somebody, I'm not sure which is worse. Growing up in a home without a father not knowing him or growing up in a home with a father, but he is so absent and distant and just not present. And because of that, you have so many men, and, and regardless of what statistics say, that if you grow up in a household without a father, you're 10 times or whatever times more likely to end up this way. There's men that have grown up in a household with a father, with a completely checked out father, and they're still struggling, how do I be a husband? How do I, how, how do I um, 
how am I, how do I do fatherhood? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is that the supportive community can never be devalued. And so the support having groups and, and organizations that help support all facets of our lives and us being able to subscribe to them is critical because as the example you gave, there's, there's the same with the side on the mother, a mother being in the home, but being absent, not being the nurturer that most mothers are, the fathers, you know, they have to take that role. Or even now where we have um, the fathers having to take on, they're staying home and the mothers are in the workforce. So the dynamics have even changed and how to have that support for the men to be able, who are the societal foundations, who are the heads of the households, how to support them in their um, thoughts and their ideas and their needs is such a critical space as well. And I know as we are continuing to um, widen and, and community and the depth and breadth of community is growing, that different organizations and groups like that are coming out more, um, especially from an ethnic perspective, um, because each group has its own certain needs. Yes, that and that is so true. And that is, um, I'm glad that you touched on that, especially from an ethnic perspective, because if we listen to the media, we will we would think that there are no black men in the homes and they've all got children all over the place, literally like Abraham got children like count the stars in the sky kind of thing. (laughs) Correct. You know, that is so not true because statistically there are more black fathers in the home than our Caucasian counterparts, statistically speaking. But Mm. then that's not what is um, pushed in the media. So people have this thing. And then you have even more pressure on men of color because they're already at a disadvantage because how they're portrayed in the media, but it's not true. And so to your point, there are a lot of organizations coming up and stay tuned because um, conversation with Alison J has got some of them coming up as guests. Very exciting. So there are a lot out there in the business and it's not just helping um, fathers of their own ethnicity, which is the beauty of it. It's just they can look, like you saying, the common denominator in all of this, we are husbands and we are fathers, regardless of what the color of your skin is, we are husbands and we are fathers and we need help and guidance too. And yes. Same with like women, regardless of the color of your skin, you are mothers, you are wives, and need all the support and the community you can get. Yes. Yes. It is critical. And we will be foolish to think that we don't. Uh, we were, and that's part of the reason why the pandemic has been so daunting on us is that we're used to living and operating in community. So when we become isolated and we, through um, the need, obviously that was the need, and through necessity, um, it's challenging because we're used to operating with common um, commonalities and common strengths in community. That's what humans were built that way. That's the way that we were created. And so I'm thankful for technology that, again, God does all things well, that even in the midst of this situation, we have technology where people can still connect 
reach out even without that physical reach out. There's still the virtual connection. So there's some type of communication that can still happen to provide these supports and to provide these platforms for people to know you're not alone. That is one of the most um, human needs is for people to know I'm not alone. I'm not in this by myself. I, I'm not um, some some disadvantaged alien that this is only happening to me or I'm the only one with this thought or I'm the only one with this need. No, not at, not at all. And so that's the, the division of the enemy. But we have to know that when we come together, it's great to know that, you know what, you have the same thought, struggle, successes, circumstances, situations as I, and now we can, we can come together and bring about solutions together about solutions for our, our home solutions for our children, solutions for our community and our marketplaces, solutions for our government, solutions for our cities and our communities. So that um, since the world has not ended, there's still obviously more that God wants us to do. Um, but how do we be about our father's business and doing that and doing that in excellence? Yes, I love that, Corey. I love that. Thank you. And finally, to talk to us. So we've, we've touched on wife, mother, businesswoman. So Corey, the minister. And how you know, do you I, <laughs> It is, I love God and I love God's people. And you can't love him and not love his people. Mm-hmm. It's just, you just can't, it's, it's, it's not biblical. Um, and so I love that he called me. I, I come from a legacy. Um, my father was a bishop. Um, my father has been deceased um, now for a couple of years. His birthday was Sunday. Um, and so I unexpectedly lost my father, did not expect that my father was not still be here um, to celebrate his 79th birthday. Um, but I absolutely am a daddy's girl. And so I come from a legacy and a lineage of ministry, um, not only on my, from my dad, but also my mom. So I've been serving um, since I was 12. I've been in ministry, like literal ministry since I was 12. I was the president of our young people's department. So I've been in ministry leadership since I was 12. And I know I only look like I'm 20, but trust me, there are some years (laughs) that I have earned through ministry. And so um, when God called me and my husband um, into ministry and to be ministers, I accepted the calling and I'm humbled by it because I'm, um, I'm called to intercede, have different spiritual gifts that he has called me to. But at the end and the beginning of the day, I love God and I love serving his people. I believe there's a compassion. I believe there's a humility that comes with serving and being able to identify and, and meet people at different points of their lives. And so I'm thankful that I'm able to do that, whether that's through prayer, through a spoken word, through an exhortation, through a preach, uh, preach message, or simply um, using my putting my hands to the plow and being able to serve. I um, mean, my husband and I, philanthropy um, is, is just a part of our DNA as a family. Um, our children know it. Um, we know it. It's been like that. And so I, I, I'm thankful 
that as a minister, I'm able to give perspectives on even situations that's like happening now and how I feel that as believers, we should be responding. Um, and also mm -hmm. as wives, as a mother, as a parent, um, how I feel that we should be responding to our lives. And so I, my whole life is, is um, based on what the word says about it. I, I, he is my counselor. He is my consultant. He is my everything. And I, my daily prayer is not my will, but your will be done. Even when I want to kick my free will into full gear, not my will, but your will be done. That's great. Thank you so much, Corey. That's, this has been great. This has been great. So, so what's next for Corey and, and for Wife Renew? Well, Wife Renew will continue to, um, to, to, work on our strategic planning for what's next. We are five years old. Um, and so this is going to be our five-year anniversary conference here in South Florida. Well, COVID has said different. So we're shifting to a digital experience. Um, but I really, um, I took a little time out from Wifenor when I transitioned from Michigan to Florida. Um, it was some out of just transition, but other out of disobedience. So let's just be honest with that. Mm -hmm. um, got to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I am really, um, I've re-engaged and re-postured uh, and positioned myself around Wifenor. So more empowerment sessions, more, um, virtual experiences where we can get back to in-person experiences, um, creating, uh, digital, um, platforms for people to plug into, um, creating peer-to-peer -peer cohort. Um, groups for people to continue to be supportive of one another and 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 know that our assignment is so necessary it is so critical but yet we don't have to do it alone yeah excellent so um, do you mention and you and i just want to touch on it real quick when you said out of disobedience because one of the things that i really want to get across to people is that people see a certain level and think it's just been plain sailing, it's just been easy, it's just been smooth. But we all fall into, and I think sometimes when we are disobedient, it's because we're operating in fear. Absolutely. Of the unknown. So talk to me about um, the journey to Wifepreneur and this time of you going through disobedience and what was it like because because I know like for me starting a new project I'm like yeah no I'm not going to do it it's outside of my comfort zone so so talk to me about that and the the times when you've looked at it and seen that it was too much and felt like no nope, I'm not going to do this and had that bit of a tug of war with yourself mm -hmm. see starting is easy sustaining is what's um is challenging um because we get excited with the launch. We get excited with the momentum that we gain because it's new. But the Bible says um, better is a thing, uh, is the end of a thing than the beginning of a thing. And I'm not saying end like it's completed, but like following through <laughs> and going through something. So when I, I launched Wife Manure, I first had a, I have another um, aspect of it, it's called the Real Praying Wise. And it started with um, prayer calls and really surrounded around Super Bowl Sunday. Um, it's just something that God had given me and the real prayer and wise launched and it launched well. And then, um, I, I shifted, um, it, uh, part of it into wife, Panora Inc. 
And so to, um, and it's good when you're in a place where uh, people know you and you're doing your thing and you have large attendances. So you're, you're equating quality with quantity. Um, and then God moves you to a new space that you knew that he opened up the portal for you to be in, but you're like, whoa, two likes, uh, one comment, <laughs> three people show up. Whoa. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to, because again, you get in your own head and like, I'm so, oh, it's easy. I know I'm in transition. I'm in transition and transition is one thing to transition, but it's another thing to stall. And so I feel that a part of my stalling became a place of disobedience where I was supposed to be doing things and I lost momentum um, because I just either out of laziness, mediocrity, or self lack of confidence because I have shifted to a new place um, that I no longer, I didn't do as consistent as I should have. And so that's when I talk about the place of disobedience because disobedience, you may be doing it, but are you doing it the way that he has told you to do it? Are you doing it the way that he's asked you to do it? Or are you doing it to say it's done? It's this thing about living a lifestyle of um, walking out um, your, your assignment of your godly assignment. It's not about a checkbox. It's not about, um, your Franklin plan or your Blackberry. I know I'm dating myself or even your little to do's on your, um, on your, um, planner or your iPhone. It's about a consistency. And so for me, I was not operating in consistency. Um, even though I had set up the, the infrastructure, but I was not operating in consistency. And so for me, regaining that momentum was a confidence thing. It had nothing to do with um, my calling because I was sure of my calling. Um, I was sure of what my assignment was, but it was a confidence thing. And me being confident to be able to do it again, do it again. Sometimes you got to step out again. When What did God tell the fishermen? Throw it out again. Well, God, we've, we've done this. We've been there, done that. Basically what they wanted to tell him, but he said, I know, do it again. And so for me, it was do it again, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And um, when you keep doing uh, what God has called you to be, to be and to do, you will see the manifestation. I tell myself, I don't care if it's one wife or one million wives, I know I'm called to this assignment. And so whomever in that sphere of time and space that I'm to be a blessing to, let it be. And this is key, one of the things you said, do it again. Just keep doing it again. Just keep... Just because the thing is, it's, it's almost like you have, you get up today and you do get one thing done today. It doesn't mean you're not going to get up tomorrow and do something tomorrow. Right. So just keep trying. And that's one of the things I want to leave with our listeners as well. Just do it again. Just try yeah. it one more time. And do you know, there's an expression, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. And yeah. that is the key. That is so important because... Um, and, I, and I say this, and I think I've said it to death now, there's that expression, and it's such a fallacy, overnight success. Mm -hmm. I don't believe there's any such thing as overnight success, because somebody may not have been heard of yesterday, but then they're heard of today. doesn't mean they started yesterday. Right. There were so many days and weeks and months and years previous to that, that they were knocking on doors or they were performing or they, oh, were yes. and they were doing that and they were building and they were working to get to the place where, okay, you didn't know them yesterday, you know them today, but do you know the years behind what it took to get Correct. to them? And so that's Correct. one of the things I just really 
it's such a bugbear for me, this whole overnight success or overnight celebrity thing, because there really is no such thing. And I just really want to leave our listeners with try again. Yes. Hold yourself accountable to what you believe your assignment is and what you have been given as your assignment. Hold yourself accountable. When you do it, the courage, the strength that you will get from doing it again will be such a glory that you will be able to put in the worth ethic. You'll be able to put in the ideas and the innovation and creation will come when you say, confess with your mouth, I'm going to do it again. And believe in your spirit, I'm going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Yes, that. That is so key. Thank you, Corey. So where can people find you? Where can they find your conferences? You can go on Facebook and um, Instagram, Wifepreneur Inc., W-I-F-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R-I-N-C. You can also connect with me personally um, at Corey L. Brown on Twitter, Wifepreneur, uh, excuse me, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then Rebound Health and Wellness. You can find us on Facebook at Rebound Health and Wellness. Excellent. Thank you so much. I know if our listeners um, want to reach out to you, Corey, for basically any facet of their life, that's where they can find you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Corey. This has been great. I've loved it. We should be doing this more often, actually. Absolutely. My honor, and I'll I'll come back anytime. Thank you so much. (laughs) Please give my love to the family as always. I will. I will absolutely. Please give my love to mommy. And I look forward to seeing what's next for you, Alice and Jay. Thank you so much, sweetheart. (laughs) All right. Blessing. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Corey, for joining us and talking to us about your journey as a mother, a wife, a businesswoman and a minister. Um, It's been great. I've enjoyed every moment of it. And hopefully we will be having you back. So next time on Conversations with Alison J, The Journey. Thank you for spending time with us. We're already looking forward to the next episode of This is Conversations with Allison J. The journey to here. Until next time, honor, respect, and blessings to you all. If you want to connect, visit allisonj.net. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-J-A-Y-E.net. Allison with one L, as she is the one and only.